0: recommended by eight out of four pastors that's uh, we're not real good at math around here hey welcome we're glad that you are joining us this morning uh, we want to extend a special welcome to those watching online uh, to our Bainbridge campus to our Cincy campus and uh, if you guys that are watching uh, uh, by simulcast would indulge me for just a moment I want to do something here uh, special at the green campus so how many people are here that are normally first service people? Raise your hand. All right. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. All right. How many of you are normally second service people? All right. Keep, raise your hand. Keep your hand up. All right. Now wave to each other. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Good. Um, as Ron mentioned during the welcome i 'm glad to see that there was no fights in the aisle over you know my seat, your seat kind of thing, um, but it 's like a family reunion right we 're all back together, yeah. So what a great what a great Sunday to start our new series called Relationship Rich and um, had some great feedback from you about our uh, Faith Hero series. Thank you for that encouragement. Um, but we want to move on now and talk about our relationships with each other. and And the subtitle is Enjoying People Again. Um, so there's a little bit of a, a feel of like the leftover of COVID and what kind of. Uh, uh, You know, are we still adjusting and 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 changing or or reigniting our relationships? Um, When we're talking about relationships in the church, I just want to share with you like my experience growing up, and maybe if you grew up in the church, maybe you had this same experience. I was told that I needed to be at church every time the door was open. Did you, maybe was that your experience? Did you hear that? You know, so, you know, like Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, Sunday night, Tuesday night wanna Wednesday night prayer meeting, Thursday night visitation. Like whenever the church doors were open, you were supposed to be there. In fact, in fact, the implication, if it wasn't said like straight out, the implication was the more you attend church, the better Christian you are. Right? Well, I'm going to tell you right off that you can miss an occasional Sunday morning worship and still be an amazing Jesus follower. Would you agree with that? All right, so if anybody like tells you that every time the door is open, just say, listen, Pastor Rick said I can be an amazing Jesus follower and still miss an occasional Sunday morning worship. All right? Now, I want you to tuck that away because we're going we're gonna to come back and revisit that at the end of the message. But it, it really, it has good intention, right? The, in, the intention is that as Jesus followers, we're not supposed to do the Christian journey. We're not supposed, our spiritual walk is not in isolation, right? We can't do this alone. And so this morning, we're going to talk about isolation versus intimacy, now, when you see that title, you, you might automatically think about intimacy as being physical, right? Okay, we had the sex talk a few weeks ago. We don't need to do that again. When I'm talking about intimacy, I'm talking about emotional intimacy or spiritual intimacy, right? Intimacy is being vulnerable, allowing accountability, right? Um, just being, being transparent. Right, those, are, those are the things that when we talk about intimacy, and so this morning we want to look at this idea of isolation versus intimacy, but from an emotional and, and spiritual perspective. So if you would join me in Luke chapter 17, I want to give you an example of isolation. Now there, there are many examples in the Bible about isolation, but I want to take you to the story of the ten lepers. So Luke chapter 17, page 842, if you're using a chair Bible, and if you're using an electronic Bible, I'm, I'm using the New Living Translation to match with our, our chair Bibles. And again, those, those chair Bibles are there as your gift. If you need another copy of God's Word or, or you'd like a different translation, those, those are free for you to take with you. In Luke chapter 17, Starting at verse 11, it says this, As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. I want you to pay attention to that. Stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now listen, this passage is rich. There's, there's a lot of great uh, principles and concepts there. The, the fact that uh, you know, Jesus tested their faith. He, Jesus could have healed them from a distance. He had healed others from a distance. Uh, but he said to them, go follow the Levitical law. If you want to do a little bit of Research on this Leviticus chapter thirteen and fourteen. Uh, Jesus said, "You know, go follow the Levit- Levitical law. Go to the priest, show yourself, and and follow the process to be reintroduced into society." But I want you to I want you to focus on that that statement where it says they stood at a distance, because a person that had leprosy in the first century. They had to go into isolation. And and we're not talking like 10 days or 15 days. Like We're talking about a change of lifestyle where they had to leave everything. They had to leave their businesses, their family, their home. They had to separate completely from society because they had this incredibly infectious disease. In fact, the, the rules were that you couldn't be any closer than six feet to someone who had leprosy, is that six feet? Where have I heard that before but but here's the thing like if there was a breeze, if there was wind, then they couldn't be within a hundred and fifty feet. so think about that that's like fifty paces like that's that's way beyond the back of this worship center, right and so that 's why you had you had these lepers calling out to Jesus from a distance. And notice that when we see these, these stories, there's another story in, in Luke chapter 5 about a, a single leper who was is, who is, uh, cured of his disease by Jesus. We see this story of these 10 lepers. You notice that they don't have a name? Because in reality, they, they are so isolated now that their issue has become greater than their identity. It really doesn't, it doesn't matter who they are and what their name is. They're only known by the fact that they have this disease. They're the lepers. You see, they're in utter isolation, absolute isolation, Now I want to give you an example of the opposite thing. I want to talk about intimacy for a second. So if you would, join me in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, starting at verses 9 through 12. And now, when we talk about intimacy from a spiritual and emotional standpoint, there's a lot written in the Old Testament about intimacy with God. The, the, you, you can 't read through the psalms without getting that sense that it it 's all about having that relationship with God and it talks about there are several passages in the Old Testament and the New Testament that talks about drawing near to god again it 's not it 's not physical right when we 're talking about isolation and 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 uh, intimacy we 're not talking about physical nearness to god right it 's talking about Connectedness, emotional and spiritual uh, intimacy with God, and so in the Old Testament it had this principle, this concept that we were to have intimacy with God. But then listen to what Jesus said to the disciples as he's as he's walking with them to Jerusalem. They go through a vineyard, and as Jesus so often did, he uses his surroundings as a teachable moment, and he says to them, "Look, look around at these vines," and he said. I am the vine, you are the branches. We're to be connected, and I'm to be your life source. Like, we're we're in this together. And here's what he says in verse 9. I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. So I have told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Love each other the same way that Jesus has loved you. You see, when you talk about intimacy with God... It's not just our relationship with God that matters. It's through that relationship, that intimacy with God, that we are then to have intimacy and relationship with other Jesus followers. See, intimacy with God results in intimacy with Jesus followers. The two are connected. They're inseparable. And they're, and they're an immediate and, and long-term result of one another. So we talk about this idea of isolation versus intimacy. If any of you are school teachers, somewhere along in your your educational process, your undergrad degree, your master's degree, whatever, you probably had to take a course in adolescence psychology. Yeah, some people are like, woo, yeah, that was exciting. Listen, in adolescent psychology, you probably would hear a theory or, or this idea of stages. It's called Erickson's Stages of Social Growth, and it talks about the fact that all the way from infancy to adulthood, there's these processes that we go through as we become uh, more social. As, we, as our psychology grows and, and we develop and mature, there's different stages and one of the stages that he talks about is when he, when you get to adolescence, you struggle with this idea of isolation versus intimacy. Now, the best way that I can illustrate this is the junior high prom, junior high dance. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you don't remember going to one of those. Maybe you were at a Christian school that didn't allow those kind of things, right? But a junior high dance, like. If, if you know anything about junior high dance, basically it goes like this. There's music playing and there's people standing all around the outside, sometimes in cliques, sometimes by themselves, but they're, no one's dancing, right? They're all standing around the outside. And it's because they're, they're, they're still used to isolation, right? They don't want to take the risk of intimacy. In other words, they don't want to they they don't want to embarrass themselves. And and they're still they're they're kind of transitioning from that stage of like boys are gross and girls are yucky to like, oh, like I want to start to get to know them, but I have no idea how to talk to them, right? And and so there there's this socially awkward stage where like nobody's out on the dance floor, well, except for maybe like one chaperone, right? There's like one chaperone that's out there, you know, trying to do the TikTok dance, right? And they're like, you know, dancing around, right? They're going to get tens and tens of views. (laughs) Or or there's the one teacher that's out there that's the super energetic, encouraging, like, come on, come on, get out here, get out here on the dance floor. I'm thinking Betsy Hay right now. I just, right, like the energy of like, come on, get out here and dance, come on, get involved. But you know what? I think there's a spiritual implication to this. In fact, join me in Ephesians chapter 4. Because I I think in all of the reference that the Apostle Paul, through through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, talks to us about how the church is supposed to function, how, how we're supposed to interact with one another. He talks about this whole idea of maturity. And he talks about unity. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Then we will no longer be immature like children... We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so that are so clever they sound like they're the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of, the, of his body, his church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You see, spiritual maturity is not something that we can accomplish on our own in isolation. In fact, maybe you've seen this floating around social media. This idea of, you know, if you're, if you're a Christian trying to do the, the spiritual journey on your, lo- on your own, you're kind of like this lone zebra that got away from the rest of the, the, the flock, right? Here's the church, here's the, here's the Christian trying to live on their own, and here's the devil, right? The devil's out there, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that, that's kind of that picture that we talk about when we're talking about being at the church every time the door opens. Don't be in isolation, right? You need to be part of the church. But here's, here's the thing. I think it goes far deeper than that. And here's what I want to, to drive home today is this idea that the risk of isolation is greater than the uncertainty of intimacy. Listen, is it hard to, to be transparent? Is it hard to let our, our guard down? Is it hard to open up and and, and, and be vulnerable? Absolutely. But listen, it's a far greater risk to try to live the spiritual journey in isolation than it is to take that faith step and face the uncertainty of emotional and spiritual intimacy. So how do we do this? How, how do we develop spiritual intimacy with one another? Well, let me take you to that passage that some people use as a bully to hit over the heads, like we talked about earlier, the whole idea of, of being at church every time the door is open. But they don't, they don't get the whole context of the passage, first of all. And, and, they miss the 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 background, like who was it written to? So let's start in verse 24 in Hebrews chapter 10. It says this: Let us consider how we are to stir up one another, or the New Living Translation says, motivate one another. How are to motivate? How are we to stir up one another to love? And how are we to stir up one another to good works? Like that's that's what it's about, right? That's what the Christian journey is about is stirring one another up to love and to good works so so how do we do that well then here's the verse that gets misused not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some now I don't know if you've ever been you know hit over the head with that verse and you were guilted into coming to church because of that verse but here's here's the problem with that all right we, when you talk about the original author, which some people think it's, is Paul, I'd like to think it's maybe Barnabas, but we don't really know who the author of Hebrews is. But we can tell by his intention, right? That His intention is that he wants people to live the Christian journey together, to go through the faith journey together. And he's talking about not neglecting the meeting together. Let me ask you this: where was the first century church meeting? Were they meeting in gatherings like this? No, they were meeting in homes, right? like this idea of meeting corporately in large groups really didn't start until about the third century and and there's a word that we attach to that It's called liturgy and sometimes. We we treat the word liturgy as if it's a, a bad word. It's not. It's just it's it's the organized way in which in which we worship God. There's there's liturgy in the Old Testament. The 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 Israelites followed a liturgy in their worship. But but here's the thing, since the third century until the 15th century, everything was was directed by the Catholic Church. Then we have the Reformation, right? And so then there was these other denominations that grew out of the Reformation. But yet everybody still clung on to their liturgy. And so even today, you can look around and you can say, okay, here's the Catholic Church, they have their liturgy. Then you have the Anglican Church, they have their liturgy. Then you have the Episcopal Church. There maybe not quite as much liturgy, but they still have a lot of liturgy. The Episcopal Church to the Presbyterian Church, they have liturgy. Right From the Presbyterians to the Methodists. From the Methodists to the Baptists. And oh, by the way, from the Baptists to us. Because we have liturgy too. Now you say, well, hold a second. You know, Pastor, you're not up there in a robe. Like, we're not going around with incense and candles and, you know, chanting and, yeah, right, we're casual. We, we, we do contemporary music, right? We, we do liturgy differently, but we still have a liturgy. Like, we still have a, a common practice, a common way of doing things. We stand up when we sing. We, you know, we have somebody give a message every Sunday. We, we, there's certain things that we do that's part of our liturgy. Well, here's, here's the thing. There, that's a, there's, there's good aspects of that. We, we should come together and have corporate worship like this. But, but let me ask you, in verse 24, where it talks about, consider how we're to stir up one another to love. Consider how we're supposed to stir up one another to good works. And in fact, the the verse goes on to even say this, that we're supposed to be encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, speaking about the return of Jesus, as you see the day drawing near. So we're supposed to stir one another up in love. We're supposed to stir up one another in good works. We're supposed to encourage one another. Can all of that take place in the five minutes we interact with each other on a Sunday morning? I don't think so. I don't think so. You see, there's more to the intimacy of spiritual journey, uh, uh, of the emotional intimacy, the spiritual intimacy that we should be experiencing than just coming to a Sunday morning worship gathering. In fact, if you spend any time around our leadership here, you know that we talk about this thing called the three G's. We talk about connect groups. We talk about growth process, and we talk about worship gatherings. And in many, many churches today, they focus on this circle alone. They focus on the hour, hour 15 minutes that we're together on a Sunday morning. Sure, you come in, you get a chance to have a cup of coffee, chit-chat with a friend, you get a chance to worship collectively in, in song and in giving and all the things that take place on a Sunday morning. You get, you get a message, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you know, it depends on who's speaking. But we, uh, I, we have fun. We're talking about that. But listen, like, is that really enough? Like, is that intimacy? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. See, it's all of these things that come together and the overlap of these things. And so here's where I I will not use Hebrews 10.25, not neglecting meeting together. I will not use that as a bully to hit you over the head. To say you ought to be attending Sunday morning service, but you ought to be attending connect groups. You ought to be involved in growth process. Now, again, I'm not going to use that verse to beat you over the head. Let me, let me approach it from this standpoint, from a positive standpoint. You don't know what you are missing in the spiritual journey. You don't know the intimacy that you are missing in your spiritual growth. You don't know the maturity that can take place in your life if you really are engaged in all of these things. So yeah, are, are there some people that, that try to walk the Christian journey in isolation and, and outside of the church? Sure. But by the mere fact that you're here this morning, you're not one of those. But, but are, you, are you in that weird in-between place? where you're not a Christian in isolation, like you believe the church is a good place to go, it's a good thing to be plugged in, it's great to go to a Sunday morning worship, but are you are you stuck in that in-between where you haven't committed to the rest of the plan? Because the rest of the plan is intimacy with other Jesus followers. Yes, intimacy with God is is huge. It's, it's the reason God created us. God created us for a relationship with himself. But he also created us for a relationship with one another. And through that intimacy that we can have with God, we also should have intimacy with other Jesus followers. So kind of like our, our, our buffer video felt like an infomercial, I know this is going to feel like an infomercial for Connect Groups, but here's the thing. Unlike that that video that was offering a fictitious solution to a fictitious disease, this is a real disease. This is a real problem, and let me give you a real solution. We, We need to be connected. And, and listen, it's, it's not just connect groups. We need to share life together. We need to be out there doing tasks in the community together. We need to be helping one another with our homes together. You know, a lot of people uh, knock the Amish community for their rules and regulations. But man, they are an example of living life in community. Like That, that is how God designed us. God designed us as individuals and designed the church as being something that's supposed to be an organism that works together, that grows together, and that is intimate with one another. So my question for you to consider over the next week is this. What's your next step regarding Connect Groups? Next week we're going to offer the different uh, fall locations and, and show you where, the, where they're located and, and what days of the week. And we're going to give you all those options. But in the meantime, I want to get your thinking going and, and I want you to prayerfully consider what's your next step. Maybe you who maybe you have a, never attended a connect group, step out of the corner of the junior high dance and get out on the dance floor. Maybe, maybe you were in a connect group and it wasn't a great experience. Listen, they're not all perfect because guess what? We're all imperfect people. So maybe maybe you're on the side of the dance floor because you went out and and you went you know, you tried to dance and it wasn't a great experience. Go out and try again. Maybe maybe your role in connect groups is is to be a host. You know, just open up your home. It, it show the gift of hospitality. Maybe maybe you've been attending connect groups for, for quite a while, and you need to be a connect group leader. And I know sometimes that word leader scares some people, or you, or you say the word teacher, and it, it scares people. Listen, a connect group leader is a facilitator. They're, they're, they just, they, they start the discussion. They they bring in, they try to bring in the people that, that don't talk very often. They try to shush the people that talk too much. Right? They, they're, 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 just, they're there to kind of control things and, and get, keep things moving towards the right direction. You don't have to be you know, some great biblical theologian or, or have you know, just some incredible gift of teaching. You just need to be willing to, to guide and lead people. Listen, no matter where you are in your Christian journey, you need to be experiencing spiritual and emotional intimacy with other Jesus followers. And so this, more, this, this week this week I, I want you to spend time in prayer and consider the changes that God would ask you to make that you become more intimately involved in his work with fellow believers would you bow your heads and close your eyes? For just a moment, I want to address those that have never made that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're, you're here for the first time, you're watching and listening for the first time. Maybe you've been coming for a while, you're just kind of kicking the tires, you're trying to figure out this, this whole discussion about being a Jesus follower. Listen, it goes back to the fact that God created us for relationships. God created you, and he wants a relationship with you. The problem is, the problem that we all face, is that our sin separates us from a holy God. But he had a solution. He created a solution for us. He sent his son Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who died and shed his perfect blood to pay the penalty for our sin. He rose again on the third day to defeat death. He did that all for you. And so all of this talk about spiritual intimacy, it all starts with that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so if you have never made that decision this morning, I want to encourage you right where you are, wherever you're watching from, you can make that decision to become a Jesus follower. Just ask God to restore you to a relationship with himself, to to cover you in the righteousness, the the goodness of Jesus Christ so that you can become one of his. If you've made that decision before, then this morning, it's taking that that next step in our spiritual maturity and, and moving beyond just intimacy with God which is a great thing. It's an important thing. We all should be striving towards intimacy with God, but we are also supposed to be striving for intimacy with other Jesus followers. Pray now, pray this week, and ask God, what is your next step in that process of spiritual intimacy? Our gracious God, we come before you this morning. God, we want to worship you and honor you and praise you in all that we do. And God, we want to follow your prescription for what we need. God, you've designed us to be emotional and spiritual beings. And you've designed us for intimacy with yourself. And you've designed us for intimacy with one another. God, give us the courage to be vulnerable. God, give us the opportunity to, to be able to, to get to know other people on a deeper level. And God, may we build up one another. May we stir up one another to love and to good works. And, and may we be encouragement to one another that we might, like Ephesians 4 says, fit together perfectly, each one contributing to growing the whole and becoming more like your son, Jesus Christ, every day. God, we praise you. We thank you. We honor you for all these things. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.